You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears had no business still getting Tevin Jenkins in the second round after trading up for Justin Fields. But am I allowed to love the player and the pick, but not love the trade? This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. On the show today, we recap days two and three of the Chicago Bears draft, including the trade up for Oklahoma State offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins, as well as the slew of day three selections headlined by Larry Borum from Missouri, but also a running back, a receiver, a cornerback, and defensive lineman that a lot of people like and that a lot of people are giving the Bears credit for getting some potential steals at the bottom of the draft. We'll kind of get a brief overview of all the different players Ryan Pace added this weekend. Pretty much everyone loves what the Chicago Bears did in the whole draft all weekend, and I do too. I mean, they did. It was perhaps the best-feeling draft of Ryan Pace's career in terms of, like, you know, the day after the draft and the day of feeling like the Bears really hit a lot of their picks really well. You know, like, I think we can think back to previous drafts and, like, you know, we scratch our head a little bit at Adam Shaheen in the second round. I wasn't crazy about making Cole Komet their first pick in the second round even last year, and you you go through each draft and find picks here and there where you scratch your head and you're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's a rookie, but, you know, you're not, like, immediately in love with every pick. But this year, especially those first two, just prospects that we're in love with and that we're very happy to see on this team. But I came away surprised with how much Ryan Pace gave up to go and get Tevin Jenkins. And that's why I'm just a little bit torn about this selection. I think he is a great pick. I think he is going to be a 10-year starter on this Chicago Bears offensive line. We talked about him quite a bit in the process leading up to the draft. I have no problems with the Bears adding Tevin Jenkins to their offensive line. I think he's a great fit. I think he's a lot of what they needed. And it was great value to be able to get that caliber of a player with the 39th pick. But I don't know that he was worth everything they traded up to get him. And that's the caveat here. And that's where I'm going to pour just a little bit of cold water on this Bears draft. And I, I haven't seen a lot of other people talking about it in this way. So the Bears were originally set to pick at number 52, and then they gave up number 83 in the third round to move up to get Tevin Jenkins. And I completely understand why when you see a first-round talent and offensive tackle still sitting there, what was it, you know, six picks into the second round. But I'm not convinced that Tevin Jenkins is so much better than all of the other different offensive tackles that were available in the second round to have to give up my third-round pick to go and get him 
as opposed to any of the other offensive linemen, right? You could say Jenkins is a really good right tackle and he's going to add some mean and some nasty to this group, but you could make a similar argument for Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State, for Samuel Cosby, not quite as physical from Texas, but he was all in this range. Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame in this area, Walker Little from Stanford, Jackson Carmen from Clemson. There were a lot of really good second-round offensive tackles, and the Bears moved up to say, you know what, we think... Kevin Jenkins is going to be so much better than the rest that we have to give up our third round pick to get him. Because as this trade plays out, right, I don't want to play the hindsight is 2020 game. A lot of the offensive tackles did come off of the board before the Bears would have been on the clock at 52. Dylan Raddins still would have been there, and Cosme was pretty close to that range. If the Bears hadn't traded up, there would still have been an extra offensive tackle, so you can kind of bump at least another prospect down. But for me, if you're giving up 52 and 83, then you're saying that Tevin Jenkins is going to be better than what you could have gotten at 52 and 83 combined. And if you look down in the third round at around the 83rd pick, you've got Dami Brown, the wide receiver from North Carolina, sort of the, the better option of Jazz Newsom that the Bears got uh, later on in the draft. You also have interior offensive linemen like Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, Kendrick Green from Illinois, uh, Ben Cleveland from Georgia, and then the UW-Whitewater kid, Quinn Miners. You, know, you could have gotten an even better guard or center depth than what you got later on in the fifth round with Larry Borum, who, who we'll talk about in a little bit here. There were some really talented players still on the board in the third round. The secondary, Elijah Molden from Washington. He's like a safety slot cornerback hybrid, probably going to play slot cornerback in the NFL. That's a big need that the Bears really didn't fully address. They got the Oregon cornerback late in the sixth round again. We'll kind of get to that, but there's a huge difference between filling that need in the third round and filling that need in the sixth round. You know, Fatty Melifanu was there in the late third as well. It's just that's such a valuable depth area of the draft where you want to have as many picks as possible. And so I was disappointed that they had to give up that third round pick to move up for Jenkins because, you know, I would rather have, I think personally, on draft day, if you if you put these two, you know, 10 years from down the line, it'll be a different story. But right now, I would rather have Dylan Raddins and Ben Cleveland you know, two offensive linemen, those two picks versus Tevin Jenkins. If I'm trying to build my my two picks that I traded from the one pick that I got. Pick your combination. You know, Samuel Cosme and Elijah Molden. I would have a, a guy who could compete on the offensive tackle still, and you'd and then you'd also have your starting nickelback. You, you would address two positions instead of having to give up both of those picks to go up Tevin Jenkins. That's where I just don't think it was the best value in the trade to give up there. One thing, if you give up you know, your fifth-round pick and a couple of sixths to move up a couple of spots to get an offensive tackle, if you feel like you know, the run is going to start and you want to make sure you get one of them, I'm okay with moving up a little bit. But it's giving up that third-round pick in particular, another top 100 selection. That's really where the cutoff is. After the fourth round is where the draft generally tends to really drop off. Really, after the third round is much outside of that top 100 with all the compensatory picks. And to have to give up that additional top prospect just to get Jenkins when there were other quality offensive tackles available in that range, that one for me is going to sit with me for a while, especially if one of those other offensive tackles ends up better than Tevin Jenkins. You're basically betting that Jenkins is going to be so much better than all these other tackles that you had to give up more to go get him versus anyone else. And that's not a bet. As I look at these offensive tackles coming out of college, I don't think he's head and shoulders that much better that I have to give up my third round pick to go get him. Now, all of that aside, 
I'm really excited to see Tevin Jenkins on this Bears offensive line. If we, if we put the transaction separate from the player here, adding him and then still being able to get Larry Borum later in the fifth round, he's going to be some nice, de- nice depth. But it adds some questions now about what the offensive line combination is going to look like. And we've seen a lot of Bears fans throw out a lot of different combinations. So we'll start to get a sense of where these different players could all fit with the veterans already under contract next on Locked On Bears. Hey, Bears fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps produce free testosterone and total testosterone levels while increasing energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, if you text now, they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's D-R-A-F-T to the numbers 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Justin Fields opens as the second Favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year at betonline.ag. Odds are plus 550 behind Trevor Lawrence at plus 350 and ahead of Trey Lance at 650 and Mac Jones at 800. It was a lot of fun betting on the draft this year with BetOnline. I nailed the Trey Lance at three pick and brought in some money for myself there, but didn't quite do as well with Patrick Sertain not being the first cornerback or first defensive player off the board. There were some surprises, much like Justin Fields falling to 11. But now we're seeing the Bears' win total move in the positive direction. We're seeing the odds on Bears' playoffs move in the positive direction, all because of Justin Fields. So now is the time to put your money behind the Justin Fields bump at Bet Online. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code Locked On. To receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum give the Bears some flexibility with this offensive line and where they may want to go in terms of this starting lineup. Like, we're not going to see them, you know, decide their starters in May right now, but we can get a little bit of sense of where the competition is and where the strengths and weaknesses might be and, and how these new prospects are going to fit with some of the guys they re-sign and, of course, everybody they brought back under contract from last year. And right away, once the Borum pick came in, and, you know, he played a lot of right tackle in college, as did Tevin Jenkins, a right tackle in college, immediately... Bears fans quick to jump to saying, oh, we'll start Tevin Jenkins at left tackle and start Larry Borum at right tackle, and then boom, there you go. Gone goes Charles Leno. And I don't think that's out of the question, although I don't think that's a decision they make May 3rd, right? That's that's kind of the key here, that yes, perhaps Tevin Jenkins could be the Bears' week one starting left tackle, but I don't know that you draft him in the second round and then Larry Borum in the fifth round and say, yep, we're good make that cut and he, he's our week one starter, just hand him the job. I think that's a little bit wishful thinking for Bears fans eager to see more offensive line change. But the question becomes, 
where exactly Jermaine Effetti fits in there, and honestly, where exactly Larry Borum fits in there. And even with Charles Leno, right, you can see the logic where the Bears still need a free cap space to re- to sign their rookies to their rookie contracts. They were among, I think they were, the least amount of salary cap space on the books after or entering the night of the draft, less than a million dollars. They did not have enough salary cap space as of right now to ink all of their players to contracts. And so, yes, releasing Charles Leno before June 1st, I think, would save the Bears right around five or six million. And then, of course, if you make him a post-June 1st designation, it would be a $9 million savings, essentially pushing some of that dead cap money into next year's books so you don't have to pay for it now. You save more of the money now, but then you pay for more of it later. That's still a possibility, although I I don't think the Bears are ready to just cut both of their offensive tackles in one offseason the way the Chiefs did with the Chiefs investing a lot of money and uh, making a big trade and bringing in Kyle Long and a bunch of other stuff to their offensive line. I think we're more than likely going to see Charles Leno start at left tackle this season and that maybe next year you start having that Tevin Jenkins flipping sides conversation. Although I think, especially for him as a rookie, you don't want to have to ask him to make too drastic of a change. And that's why it just seems like it's a natural thing to slide him in at right tackle, or at the very least, he can compete, right? You're not going to name your second-round pick a day-one starter one day after the draft. After you signed Elijah Wilkinson from Denver and you re-signed Jermaine Effetti, we're going to see a competition there, and I put competition in the largest air quotes that you can't see because this is a podcast, but I don't think anyone's not expecting Kevin Jenkins to start week one. I mean, that's that's the plan. He's going to earn it in a competition, but he is very clearly the best and most talented right tackle on the roster and the guy that they want to start at right tackle in week one. But then it becomes a question of where you start putting Jermaine Effetti. And you could even make kind of the reverse argument of like, well, you could still cut Charles Leno and put Tevin Jenkins at left tackle and then start Jermaine Effetti at right tackle with Elijah Wilkinson, and you don't even have to have Larry Borum in there. And yes, you can, but I, I really believe in having your five best offensive linemen on the field. And as the roster stands now, based on what we saw last year and what we've seen from these rookies, your five best offensive linemen right now are Charles Leno, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, and Sam Mustafer. Jermaine Effetti filled in admirably at guard and mostly right tackle by the end of the season last year. And he's got versatility and that's valuable to have, but he's not a guy you want to have to rely on as a starting offensive lineman. He is, he's the perfect swing guy and if you throw him in there in a pinch and that's fine, but let's, let's aim a little bit higher. And I, that's why it was disappointing that the plan for a while there seemed to be Jermaine Effetti and Elijah Wilkinson competing at right tackle. Cause neither one of those guys are like solid, reliable, go-to starting offensive lineman. You have them in a competition, and you hope that you can produce one stable starter between the two of them, but it's not something you really want to have to. If You know, you really want them to be your far and away worst offensive lineman if you have to rely on them, but you don't want to have to make them part of that lineup. So Jenkins eases some of that burden, and it becomes a question of, okay, now it's the center discussion all over again. And I think... Based on what we've seen from James Daniels struggling to handle some of the responsibilities at center, he's going to stay at guard. And then it's a question of, do you try Cody Whitehair again at center? 
or do you just leave him at guard where he seemed to be more comfortable last year? Which one do you move to right guard and which one stays at the left guard spot? And then uh, is Sam Mustafa ready to be of every week starting center just one year removed, or I guess two years removed from being an undrafted rookie free agent, just making his first starts? Again, he, he performed admirably last season. I don't know that he was a great center by any means, but we you always expect that the player is going to get better from year to year. But the reality is that not every player improves every single season and that guys go backwards or they stay the same. And it's, there's no guarantee that Sam Mustafer is going to be a solid, reliable starting center for a full 16-game season. He very well may be, and that would be good, and that's what the Bears are kind of hoping for, and coaching is a part of this discussion, but it's still a question mark. I, I think we, we kind of know what to expect from Daniels and Whitehair if they're going to solidify themselves at guard. We kind of know what to expect from Tevin Jenkins at right tackle based on what we've seen from him as a, as a college player. And we kind of, I mean, we know what to expect from Charles Leno at this point, assuming we can expect him to still be a part of this roster at that time. But you could, you could see a scenario where they compete at training camp and maybe you cut Charles Leno before week one. And that's the way you make that transition. But I don't think you rush into that transition just for the sake of cutting him because you want to cut him unless that's your only salary cap move that you feel like you can make right now. Because I, I guess I'd rather do that than further restructure Robert Quinn's contract and lock you into that dead money for a while. Or you know, there, there's It's hard to find a lot of other room to start wiggling around here, but maybe you can work a contract extension in there for Akeem Hicks and lower his cap number. We'll see what the Bears do, but the offensive line is kind of the crux of that. And now that you have some of this flexibility, you can have more open camp competitions and truly get your five best players on the field. And maybe Jermaine Effetti is one of those five. Maybe Sam Mustafer isn't, or maybe Mustafer is and Effetti isn't, or Elijah Wilkinson in there. I mean, that's the flexibility that both of these offensive line picks have given you, although I would really temper expectations for Larry Borum. I, I don't think he's going to step in and be anything in the starting lineup right away as a fifth-round pick, and his, his long-term future is going to be at guard. You can try him at tackle. I'm all for giving him a shot out there, but most likely he's going to have to play guard at the NFL, and it's going to be a transition from him having only played a little bit of guard a couple of years ago at Missouri. And I, I think a lot of that's going to be true for a lot of this day three picks as far as tempering expectations, but we can still get excited about some of the potential there and, and think a little bit more long-term as opposed to big year one contributions. But we'll go through some of their different skill sets and why the Bears are thought to have gotten a few different steals in the late rounds of this draft next on Locked On Bears. It seemed like every pick the Bears made were getting rave reviews and the same can be said for any pick you make of Built Bars, the best tasting protein bars ever. Because there are 18 amazing flavors and each one feels like a first round pick. You cannot go wrong with any of them. They've got an 18 bar variety pack where you can try them all. I have. I have tried every single one of them and I've not had one that wasn't completely delicious. I will say my personal favorites, cookies and cream, caramel brownie and coconut, I recently added raspberry into my rotation. Definitely recommend the fruit flavors in there as well. But they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Low sugar, low calories, high protein, high fiber. They taste like candy bars, but they have the same nutrients as protein bars. You got to try them for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code Locked On to receive 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off 
at BuiltBar.com. It was a long wait with more than 100 selections between the Bears' second pick and then their third pick, which ended up being the fifth round with with Larry Borum. But as the draft gets on down there, it gets to be guys we haven't heard of entering this draft, or at least most of us haven't heard of. I'm not the full scout 300 players and write a draft guide level of NFL draft uh, analyst. I, I know the top guys. I've watched tape on the guys important need to know at the top of the draft, but when we start getting into the you know number two and three receivers at North Carolina and you know the different defensive linemen at BYU, it becomes a little bit more than I have time for on my plate. I'm not a full-time draft analyst like some of those experts, but a lot of rave reviews for where the Bears were able to get some of these prospects. I know PFF in particular, pretty high on Khalil Herbert. I think they had him as their what top five running back in this draft and a top 75 or top 80 pick on their big board. Thomas Graham, the cornerback from Oregon, also a top 100 player for them. I forget exactly where each one of those were, but prospects that some people weren't expecting to last that long. I know Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, the running back, some similarities to David Montgomery in terms of contact balance and how difficult it is to bring him down. He's a guy that I believe has been involved on some special teams for them as well. So there's a very clear translation for him to help compete to offset the loss of Cordero Patterson in the return game. Same kind of thing perhaps for uh, Daz Newsom, the wide receiver from North Carolina. Another kind of a slot-only receiver, but a vertical threat for them. Definitely a guy who works downfield and gets open with some speed. Not a, not a guy who can get by contact super well. I mean, again, we're talking about a six-round pick here. Let's keep things in perspective. This is like, remember drafting Juvon Wims in the seventh round, where it's like, okay, this this might be something. It might be nothing, but it, it might be something. And you're not expecting him to be a featured part of this offense. He's kind of in that Darnell Mooney type mold of rookie receiver, although Mooney was a much better route runner and a more versatile receiver could be used in a lot of different ways coming out in the fifth round, whereas Newsom a little bit more one-dimensional. So maybe he can get a deep shot package, kind of like Ted Ginn was going to be in this Bears offense. That's kind of where I, I see Daz Newsom. Thomas Graham from Oregon, the cornerback, really uh, technically skilled cornerback someone who is good in coverage and you know he knows he knows how to play the position he, he's smart he knows how wide receivers are going to attack him he's just not a top athlete in any way he's maybe a little bit slow he's just not you know he's not one of these top of the line guys and it would seem there's got to be something more here as to why he fell that far because he, he didn't seem like I mean he wasn't he wasn't a dominating college player but he wasn't bad at all I mean he looked like uh, you know mid-round NFL cornerback so to last all the way to 228 there's got to be something more here but I'll be curious to see if he ends up playing some slot. You know, he's not the biggest guy. I think he can hold up on the outside, but he has some of that that tweener ability to maybe do either or. It would just be an adjustment for him that, again, you're not expecting a six-round pick drafted 228 to step in and be your week one slot cornerback. But Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor are both late day three draft picks too. So you open up the competition and let anybody in there that you can and, and see what you get. And then um, I, I do not know how to pronounce the first name of the seventh-round defensive lineman, Tonga from BYU. Another one of these kind of sleeper prospects that I know Justice Mosqueda from Bleacher Report loves Tonga's tape and really 
I, I think didn't think he would last to the seventh round, certainly, and wants to see what he can do in Chicago, that he's he's just kind of a big space eater, but moves pretty well for a guy at his size. And I think that's the sort of thing that can help you find a potential steal. As I'm as I'm seeing a pronunciation guide, it's pronounced Kyris. It's kind of spelled like Chris with a K and some extra I's in there, but we're going to go with Kyris. He, he moves well, and he's got big, strong hands, and those are... Those are nice things to have at nose tackle. So seventh-round pick, keep the expectations where they're supposed to be. But when you, you, can, you can always use a little bit more nose tackle depth behind Eddie Goldman, and the Bears have seemed to do a good job of finding these kind of out-of-nowhere defensive linemen like Bilal Nichols in the fifth round or some of the undrafted free agents or veterans that have come through. They did sign Angelo Blackson this season, but having lost Roy Robertson-Harris and not really adding anybody else, there's, there's a potential spot here for Chris Kyrus. Tonga, and that, that name is going to be some trouble for me, but we're keeping it as a seventh-round pick. We're not expecting really anything from these players, and a lot of the what you might get can ultimately end up being a bonus. And we've seen Ryan Pace have success more so in the fourth and fifth rounds. He hasn't really had the big, like, sixth or seventh-round success, so as much as some of these players feel like steals, probabilities tell you not likely to be anything above and beyond it's as good of a swing of the fence as you could hope for at that stage in the draft and really put a nice bow on what felt like a two-man draft at the top, but at least there's some potential there with the guys that you got at the bottom. And it's not just, you know, the small school kid that you've never heard of that, you know, just had a really good pro day and it's just a developmental swing for the fences and you have no idea what he is. There's some baseline here with some of these guys to at least maybe get a little bit of special teams out of them because, that's how they're going to make this roster, right? These late-round picks, they don't make the roster unless they can contribute something on special teams or they're just so good at their respective position that you can't keep them off the 53. But generally, for your running back, your wide receiver, your cornerback, they, they got to offer you something on that side of the ball as well. But it's kind of just a broad overview of what those prospects offer. I want to go a little bit more in-depth on them and all of the Bears draft picks as the rest of this week and the next week goes on. We'll be joined tomorrow by Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes to break down all things Justin Fields from the Ohio State perspective. We'll tap into our friends from Locked On Missouri as well for some Larry Borum talk. We'll get some in-depth on all these guys. So make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Also check out today's episode of Locked On NFL. I was a guest on with Bo Brack, breaking down this Bears draft as a whole and how it affects expectations for this season. Some things we didn't talk about yet on this podcast that Bo and I went in-depth on a little bit on the Locked On NFL podcast. So go check that out whenever you're done listening to this episode. Appreciate everybody who's been following along with us and tuning in through the draft. I know a lot of podcasts are having trouble with iTunes and podcast episodes not showing up. They've been showing up for Lockdown Bears for me on my phone. And so I hope that means they've been showing up for you and for everybody listening. Certainly it sounds like they've been showing up on all the other podcasting apps just fine. It's just Apple Podcasts as they went through an update and through their changes. They have not been able to keep up with keeping other podcasts updated even as we post episodes. So if you've missed any along the way, that is the issue at hand, but I hope you haven't. I hope you keep following along with us and certainly uh, bearing with us through any of those technical issues. And in exchange, I'll help you do some bearing of your own. Of course, at the end of every podcast, 
you bear down.